I'll straighten it up. All right. Psalm 77, brethren. We'll be back to James on Sunday evening. <clears throat> you know, in your Christian life, I kind of liken what you do daily in your Christian life and your devotions as making deposits into your spiritual bank account. Ephesians or Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So, beloved, we need to be making spiritual deposits because there are days that will come when you're going to make some big withdrawals of the truths that hopefully you're storing up in your heart. This psalm, Psalm 77, as we read it, you may be thinking, I don't really need this right now, but there will probably come a day when you will. Um, this psalm was in my personal devotions yesterday. It was very helpful to me. So I was studying James, but I was asked, I asked the Lord if he would allow me to share this with you this evening. And it seems like the Lord said it was fine. So, um, so I trust the Lord that this will be a blessing to you. It's a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was one of the singers in the temple. Um, Jeduthun was also one of the singers. And you can see in the title, if you have a title, to the chief musician Jeduthun. And it says a psalm of Asaph. And so they were of the tribe of Levi. <clears throat> and it was their ministry to sing. These psalms were actually sung by them. So follow along with me. We'll read the psalm. The psalmist says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. You ever been there? You ever been in the place when nobody could comfort you? Well, this was the cry of the psalmist. He said, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. By the way, there are three selahs in this psalm. It's divided into three selahs. Selah is an elevated note, but it's also a time of pause in the psalm. So the first Selah is in verse 3. He goes on, Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. So the psalmist is sleepless and speechless. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? He asks these six questions. Think about them as I read them. Now remember, he's not praying here. He's communing in his own heart. He's talking to himself. You ever talk to yourself silently? Say things within, sometimes things that are not so good. And here, these six questions, he asked himself, will the Lord cast off forever? 
Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah, the second stanza. And then in verse 10, he says, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm, which signifies the strength of God, redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee, they were afraid, the depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water, the skies sent out a sound, thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in heaven, the lightnings lightened the world, the earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou, God, ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Pray with me. Lord, please help us as we open up this psalm, and I pray are able to glean some truth, comfort for our souls, especially when we are in dark times, times of trouble. Father, when we're anxious, when we're overwhelmed, Lord, I pray you would teach us some things about our Christian lives. There is no doubt that sometimes we find ourselves in such a case as Asaph writes here in Psalm 77. And so help us, Father. Help us not to cast these words aside because things are going well for us. Father, help us, Lord, to be able to look into these words and understand them and apply them to our lives. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. It might be difficult for you to enter into this psalm. Psalm 77 is where we're at. It might be difficult for you to enter into this psalm if you've not experienced the troubles that the psalmist Asaph is experiencing. Now, the scriptures don't tell us what his specific trial was, but we do know that he was greatly troubled in his spirit. At the beginning of the psalm, Asaph was in the uncomfortable place of struggling in prayer unto his God. Have you ever struggled in prayer unto your God? Your mind is going everywhere, and you want to pray, but you can't pray. You can't quiet your mind. Asaph was so troubled that he was compelled to pray out loud. Do you ever pray out loud with an audible voice? I can tell you that's how I always pray because it helps quiet my mind. So in verse 1 he says, I cried aloud with my voice and he repeats it even unto God with my voice. So he prayed out loud. Psalm 3, 4, just listen. The scriptures teach us that the psalmist wrote, and this is David. David said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. 
There's that consideration. Psalm 55, 17, listen again. The psalmist says, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Now, sometimes I can pray silently, but oftentimes to quiet my mind and to give me focus in my prayers, I pray aloud. The song we just sang, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto you. And we'll look up. So right here in the beginning of this psalm, God is teaching us that when you're in the midst of troubles, and if you can't quiet your mind to pray silently, pray out loud. And lift up your voice to God audibly so that you may quiet your thoughts and your mind, so that you may enter into the comforting presence of your Heavenly Father. Listen, if you've struggled in prayer, we all do especially in times of trouble and your mind is swirling about with anxious cares. Brethren, pray out loud. But listen, even as Asaph prayed aloud, I want you to see how deep and dark his troubles were. Even as he prayed aloud and lifted up his voice, his spirit did not lift up. Even in his prayer, he was not comforted. Have you ever experienced that? Have you experienced praying unto God with no comfort? I have. Asaph was not, he was not encouraged. Instead of being comforted in prayer, the Bible says here in our psalm, he refused to be comforted. Again, I ask that question, have you ever been in that place? He had no rest in his spirit and his troubled mind and his thoughts continued into the night. I know that when I can't stop thinking about something that troubles me, I can't sleep. Asaph's days and nights ran together. He was so troubled. Verse 3 again, he writes, I remembered God and was troubled. That's a really hard passage to understand. How can we remember God and be troubled? But he says, I remember God and I was troubled. I complained. It literally means he meditated, but his meditations were not right. He complained and he says, my spirit was overwhelmed. We all know what it is to be overwhelmed. Selah. As he prayed, things seemed to get worse. To remember God's love, to remember God's mercy, to remember God's kindness, God's goodness, God's long-suffering and faithfulness, it should greatly rejoice our souls when we remember those things about God. But Asaph, he says here, I remembered God and was troubled. When we find ourselves immersed in our troubles, and there will be days when you will, when we find ourselves immersed in our troubles, faithless, unbelieving, unsubmissive toward God in our minds, every thought of God may be troubling to us. Because as the psalmist writes, he refused to be comforted. That brings us to the end of the first stanza. So 
we come to the end of the psalm and things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. And sometimes that's how our Christian lives are. But don't despair, it gets better, but first it gets darker. And I will tell you, Christian, never, never, never stay here. It's better to struggle in prayer than to not pray at all. And so, beloved, struggle in prayer. In the second stanza, Asaph complained to God that he could not sleep. Again, how often has sleep departed from us when thoughts and anxious cares trouble our minds? In those times when we refuse to be comforted, when we refuse to trust in our Heavenly Father's care for us. 1 Peter 5, the scripture tells us to cast all of our care upon Him. But there are times when we refuse God's comfort. And beloved, when we do that, we plunge ourselves into deeper despair. So sleepless and speechless, Asaph, the psalmist, descended further into his dark and troubling thoughts so that he was no longer praying. If you read the psalm, and you can read it again, he was no longer praying. Now he began to talk to himself. Have you ever, when you prayed, you begin to drift out of prayer and you just begin to go back to your anxious thoughts? Sometimes I think when I'm praying like that and I'm not holding on in prayer, I, I always imagine God being there and hearing my prayer and then all of a sudden I drift off. It would be like somebody talking to you and then just turning and walking away. And I think that I'm doing that to God. And so here was the psalmist. He was no longer praying, but now he began to talk to himself. He tried to remember the times when he rejoiced in God's songs of the night, but it was to no avail. It was at that time that, and I'm going to use these words, it was at that time that he seemed, and I get that, he seemed to be at a great distance from God. And that is when he began to question God's grace, God's goodness, God's mercy, and God's faithfulness to him. He began to question God. Have you ever done that in your mind? You question God? Have you ever questioned God and said, why is this happening to me? Have you ever questioned God and said, where are you, God? Why don't you help me, God? Have you ever been frustrated like that? I think the psalmist found himself there. Listen to these six questions again. Will the Lord cast off forever? Think about what he's saying here. Will God be favorable to me no more? Is his mercy, is God's mercy clean gone from me forever? Doth his promise to me fail forevermore? Is that what God's doing to me? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Is he not gracious anymore? Hath he in anger to me shut up his tender mercies? So ends the second stanza of this sad song. But the daylight's coming. <clears throat> Here we must know and believe about our God that God cannot forget to be gracious unto you, child of God. He cannot forget his mercy 
toward you, child of God. If God could forget to be gracious and merciful to you, he would cease to be God. But he cannot. Psalm 62, just listen. The psalmist says there, Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, and God will always be a refuge for us. Look at Psalm 34, 15. Just turn there briefly. I want to encourage you, brethren, sometimes you will think that God is so far away from you, but I will tell you that God is never, never further than a whisper of your prayer. He is there. Look at Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry open God's ears are always opening open as dark as the psalmist's cries were as dark as his attitude was and as distant as he felt God was right there God hadn't gone anywhere Psalm 37 25 just turn the page there Psalm 37 and verse 25 the psalmist here says I have been young and now am old Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And it'll, it won't happen. Hebrews 13.5, the scripture says of the writer in Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You must remember that, Christian, as dark as those times may get in your life. Verse 29 of Psalm 37, it says, Psalm Verse 28, I'm sorry. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Child of God, in your greatest struggles, God has not left you. Look at Psalm uh, Isaiah, rather, 49. The book of Isaiah, chapter 49. He is an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46. Isaiah 49, 13. I love this passage. Verse 13 of Isaiah 49. Sing, O heavens. Be joyful, O earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord hath comforted his people. But remember what the psalmist said? He said, it says of him, he refused to be comforted. That doesn't mean God wasn't there to be a comfort. But sometimes we refuse him. And he had. But it says the Lord has comforted his people. He will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me. And my Lord hath forgotten me. <laughs> God can't forget you, child of God. I love verse 15. Can a woman forget her sucking child? That's a, really a shame that it can happen. That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, the prophet says, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before thee. And so God cannot forget you, child of God. 
In your greatest struggles, God has not left you. He is right there, and He is even closer to you when you were not overwhelmed and struggling. Sometimes we think in our struggles and in our trials, God's nowhere near me. Beloved, in our struggles, God is, I believe, closest to us. He is always touched. God is always touched with the feeling of your infirmities. Because he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. We sin in our infirmity, he did not. And yet he was touched, and he sympathizes with whatever you're going through. He has not forgotten to be gracious to you, child of God. His favor is still toward you, child of God. His mercy is not gone from you, child of God. And his promises will not fail. His promises will not fail. Look at Song of Solomon. The, the Song of Solomon, I love these just two references in the Song of Solomon. First, chapter 5 and verse 6. This is the bride. She is yearning for the presence of the bridegroom. The Christian for Christ, the church for Christ, yearning. Verse 6, chapter 5. I opened to my beloved, but... My beloved hath withdrawn himself. It's like she opened the door. He wasn't there. And he was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Sometimes that's our experience, but it doesn't mean that the Lord is not there. Back up to chapter 2 and verse 9. Song of Solomon 2 and verse 9. And this is Sometimes our experience that we don't know the presence of our God, but he is never not present. Verse 9, my beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. He is always showing himself to you, child of God. But there are times when we just cannot see him. We cannot detect his presence with us. And so we think he's not there. But God is never not there, beloved. And then as Asaph struggled with himself and wrestled with God, now at last the day dawned in his prayer and in his struggle. Now he prevailed with his God. Turn back to 77 and verse 10. Now Asaph prevailed. He realized now that all of his problems, the reason that God seemed so far from him was not God's fault, it was his own. Verse 10 says, and he said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Knowing and believing that God had not forsaken him, Asaph was now able to detach his mind from being overwhelmed and consumed by his earthly troubles and to fix his heart and mind by faith on his faithful God who was always right there with him. I love Psalm 121. I know Randy's going to be there soon. But the psalmist says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Behold, he that keepeth thee will not slumber. 
He doesn't sleep. God's not sleeping in the middle of the night when you pray and cry out to him. He is wide awake. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy coming in, going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I love that psalm. It's so encouraging. Beloved, we need to lift up our eyes unto our God. But look at these I wills after verse 10. Look at these I wills now. The transition from darkness to light. Now he goes from refusing to be comforted to being comforted by his God. He goes from being faithless to being full of faith and believing God. Listen, beloved, this Many of the Psalms are like this, and this is what should happen to us when we pray. We may struggle in prayer, but beloved, we must continue to struggle with, in prayer until we prevail with God, until God comforts our souls. We must continue. But look at these I wills of Asaph's now rejoicing heart. He now joyfully proclaimed, I will remember the years of God's goodness to me. I will remember his wonderful works in my life. I will remember his wonders of old. I will meditate. Good meditation. I won't think of the bad things, the anxious cares, but I will meditate and think upon the goodness of my God and fix my mind upon the truth of his word and not on my anxious fears and troubles. I will open my mouth and praise him and talk about all of what he has done. And I will stop talking about all of my troubles. A lot of times we just keep talking about them. A lot of times we give our troubles life. Because we keep wanting to speak about them. Rather than lifting up our hearts and our minds to our God. Alas, Asaph who before remembered God and was troubled and who complained in his spirit and was troubled, who refused to be comforted, he now sings the joyous melody of verses 13 and 14. Look at it. He says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among thy people. Now here's a question and we'll finish. And I'll leave the rest of the psalm for you to consider and read. Was not Asaph now stronger after coming out of the darkness when he was tried? When he was weak and overwhelmed? Wasn't he stronger now after he came through his troubles? After he sought God in his troubles? after he cried out to God with an audible voice. Was not Asaph now closer in fellowship to his father and to his God than before his troubles? Can we not say with the Apostle Paul, Yes, Paul, I know that all things work together for good, including the struggles and the troubles that come into our lives. All things work together for good to them that love God. That's the qualifier. The 
lost cannot say that. All things are not working together for the good of the lost because they don't love God. Many in the world will take that passage and misapply it. But the qualifier is all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He was better now. Look at Hebrews, two passages and we'll close. Hebrews 13 and then Philippians. Hebrews 13. Listen, you remember James in chapter 1 in verse 2. James said, count it all joy when we fall into divers, temptations, trials, troubles, afflictions. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, it's working for you. It's teaching you. It worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work. What's the natural response to trials? Doing what he did in the first part of the song. That's the natural response. I don't want to be comforted. It's faithlessness. The spiritual response. The trusting response. The believing response is the first three words of James 1-2. Count it all joy. Four words. Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith work of patience, God in your trials is working in you. He is never closer than at that time. He is forming and fashioning you for heaven. He is conforming you to the image of his dear son. God has not left you. The fact is God is right there with you in the midst of the storm. It's like Jesus when he was in the back of the little boat and the apostles were in the storm. And Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping. And they were crying out with fear. Remember, we've often said this. What should the apostles have done? They should have grabbed their pillow and went and slept right next to him. Because their Lord was right there with them. And he got up. What's wrong? Why did you doubt? And he calmed the wind and the seas so that they would know who he is. Hebrews 13 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the bud of the ever everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. That's what he's doing by the trying of your faith. He's working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. Look, if we could pick what was how he was going to work, we would never pick any of what happens. But God does all things well, and he'll do it in your life. So he works that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And in Philippians 2.13, just listen. Paul writes there, For it is God which worketh in you. Yes, in the deepest, darkest struggles of your life. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Never, never, never forget, child of God. God may seem to be very far away from you, but the fact is he is very nigh to your faintest cry. He is an ever-present help in trouble. Never doubt that. Never doubt that. Remember to count it all joy, therefore, when the troubles come, 
knowing that God is working in you. Amen. Let's dismiss in prayer. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would help us, Father. I realize that <clears throat> no one right now may be going through a tough trial. I don't know, Father. But I know that you have been a great comfort to me. But I also know that I have been in the place of the psalmist when I refuse to be comforted. And, oh, God, you are the God of all mercies, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And you comfort us in all of our troubles. Oh, Father, please help us as your children to be strong in the Lord. But, Father, to be weak in ourselves. To not think that we can be self-dependent. But, Father, that we would always be God-dependent. Help us, Heavenly Father, with your grace and with your kindness. We know the Apostle Paul cried out to you three times that you would take away a thorn in the flesh. Father, we don't know what that was. But Father, you didn't take that infirmity from him. But you said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And Father, you had not left Paul. And Father, you will not leave us. And so Lord, please help your children. Help us as we continue in this work week. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us when we do fail, when we, do, when we don't trust you, Lord. And Father, help us to lift up our eyes unto the hills daily, minutely, hourly, and trust in you, our great help. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.